بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد کریم اما بات الحمد للہ نائٹ از دا سکسٹین آف مارچ ان دی ایئر الحمد للہ از دا فائنل فرائیڈے بفور دا بلیسڈ منتھ آف رمضان So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He blesses us in our months of Sha'aban and conveys safely to the holy month of Ramadan. Amen. And yesterday I took a glimpse into the Divine Majesty. So to spend another session taking a glimpse into this endless subject. What our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala hides from our own selves is also part of His divine grace to us. So this is a very strange statement to many. What He subhanahu wa ta'ala hides from your own self is also part of His grace. So what is being referred to here? So Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi in his Ihya, in the chapter on thankfulness, he said, Knowledge was defined as a perfection and a blessing, being an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he is Al-Aleem. He is the knowing. So Imam Ghazali goes, is perfect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, in some circumstances, it may be a tribulation for the servant and its loss is a blessing. So for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he hasn't acquired the knowledge. He is the source of knowledge. So his knowledge is completely unlike anybody else's. He is a source of knowledge. But for the servant, it could be a fitna if you were given this or an, a, a certain amount of this knowledge. And in fact, to lose it would be a blessing, Imam Ghazali said. Then he explained. For example, a man's ignorance of when he will die is a blessing for him. If he knew, he may lose any pleasure in life and may become overwhelmed with grief. And it's true. No stop in the quote. If you were told, even if somebody got 50 years from now, you're going to die. You're not going to think, well, plenty of time. You'll, you'll still grieve. Why did you tell me that? So isn't it a blessing that you don't know? Then Imam Ghazali said, Rahmatullah, likewise, His ignorance of what ill thoughts his acquaintances and family harbor against him may be a blessing for him. For if the veil was lifted and he were able to observe, he may be overwhelmed with pain, resentment and envy and occupy himself with revenge. So isn't that a blessing? (laughs) If you knew... What people had said, for instance, behind your bike. Wouldn't that trouble you? And then what happens? That anger would turn into, you know, wanting to take vengeance. So it's better that you don't know. Then Imam Ghazali said, Similarly, the servant's ignorance of the blameworthy qualities of another is a blessing for him. For were he to know them, he would detest the other and harm him. And that would have disastrous consequences in this world and the next. 
So isn't that a blessing? That you are not aware of the failings of others. Because if you knew, you would then have hatred. And you might even do something which will harm your world and of course your akhirat. Then he said, his ignorance of the praiseworthy qualities of another may also be a blessing for him. For the latter may be a saint whom he could harm and insult. So you're not knowing that this person is a saint is a blessing. Why? Because if you knew he was and you persisted in how you're treating him, it would be far worse. If he knew this and harmed the saint, his sin would inevitably be great. For he who has harmed the Prophet or a saint knowingly is not in the same position as he who has harmed him unknowingly. So what was the great Imam Ghazali telling you? He goes, these are the great names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yet, just ask a brother or sister, I'd like you to uh, explain this blessed name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because which one? He's Al-Alim. He's the all-knowing. And what's the famous response you get? Well, it's that straightforward. He knows everything. And he goes, I think I should translate it. I should give him the meaning of it. And he goes, well, the translation and the meaning is the same. It's not. Allah, this is why if you look at the reports, it's interesting. He once said, to Musa that your people have committed great crimes. One of your person has created, you know, he's been backbiting. And because of him, I haven't sent the rain that you are requesting. So Musa said, tell me, O Lord, who is the backbiter? So Allah says, I have forbidden backbiting. Do you want me to backbite? So apart from the human in that report, what attribute is being manifested? Al-Ali. He's the all-knowing. So Allah in his kindness, he's made us defective in our knowledge. And what do foolish people ask for? <laughs> Give me that knowledge. Oh brother, hang on. Right? You know, only ask for knowledge that will benefit you. Not for knowledge that will harm you. And also, why do you think backbiting is such a great crime? You know, people, you know, think... Did the Prophet, and he did say this, the hadith is in Tabarani and Behaki, the Prophet said, bike biting is worse than zina. So if you ask a person without revelation, what's worse, bike biting or, phony, uh, or adultery? Adultery. Which person would say bike biting? And yet the revelation said, bike. so the person goes, is that a hadith? Yes. Why is it? Because if you look at the two, bike biting is you're taking the honor of your brother. And the only one who knows you're doing that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's getting angry, he's becoming furious for the sake of the brother you're backbiting. So the clue is in what you're doing, you're harming a brother. So if you're harming a brother and he's not aware of it, who have you triggered? You've triggered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's showing that by saying it's worse than adultery. And yet, in another report, in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, the Prophet said, the worst of creation is the backbiter. Who's the worst of creation? Because shaitan. He goes, I mean amongst you know, the rest of us. He goes, which one will say the backbiter? The Prophet said it. So here, Imam Ghazali was explaining a very important thing. 
what our loving Lord hides from our very own selves is part of His grace. Think about that. He's protecting you from yourself in His kindness so you can function. And if you can take it logically to the other blessings, your hearing is set. So what do I mean by that? So when you get a TV in the good old days, you put the volume up, you put the volume down. So why are you fixing the volume? Too loud, you're going to disturb the neighbors. Too low, I can't hear it. So okay. So Masha is very intelligent. So who set your hearing? People are sleeping through their lives. You know, that's true. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so how has he set your hearing? <coughs> what's your volume? Then the guy starts thinking, well, what's my volume? I don't understand. So imagine, if Allah increased the volume of your hearing, could you go to sleep? Imagine, why can't you go to sleep? There's an ant bugging me a mile down the road. An ant? Yeah, he's walking over the leaf. How are you going to go to sleep? So Allah has fixed your hearing so you can go to sleep. Your sight, the same. Your taste, it overwhelms you otherwise. So who has fixed all that? And Allah is telling you to reflect. And Imam Ghazali was highlighting this with regards to knowledge, his wisdom. With regards to his generosity, who but our loving Lord could direct you to immeasurable profit without the need for capital? So what do the people say? <coughs> you need to, what's that saying? You need to put money in to profit. Right. Okay, you need to speculate to accumulate. Right? Right? You need to speculate to accumulate. So, what does that mean? It means you put some money in, you invest, and inshallah you'll get a profit. Which person would say you don't need to put anything in and you make a profit? If a person does say that, I want to be the first person to sign up to that. You have to put something in to profit. Allah is different. You don't need to put anything in. As Luqman so beautifully put it in Al-Bidayah 2-117 Make the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a trade. Then you will profit without the need for capital. Luqman <laughs> is telling me something. Luqman al-Hakim he goes, if you obey your Lord, that's a business. You're doing business. Who are you doing business with? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, haven't you realized that you're profiting without capital? Allah, Allah doesn't say, give me something. Then I'll give you something back. And why was he highlighting that? Because he's highlighting the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ultimately, what do we get? Paradise. So a person goes, oh, you earned it. No, I didn't. And he goes, why? Because I can't earn it. So why do you do all those deeds for? But Allah is the most generous. <laughs> he goes, but surely somebody can earn paradise. Nobody can earn it. So what does that boil down to? His generosity. <laughs> Reflect upon the generosity that he gave to Adam and Hawa. What was the generosity? He gave them everything without asking. When they opened their blessed eyes, where were they? In the abode of Jannah. So imagine, did they ask for it? Ya Allah, you've created us. But we would like you to put us into paradise. They didn't ask. Somebody goes, well, what's your point? The point is, why did Allah do that? Because he's the most generous. Could they have been put in a better place? No. 
If they were put on the earth, yeah, Allah, you know, why have you put us here? There's another place, please give us that. No, no, you're staying in paradise. Ma'aruf al Qarhi, one of the famous saints, he warned, Rahmatullah, in Abu Nu'im al Hiliya 8.367, hoping to receive the mercy of the one who you insist on being disobedient to is a kind of betrayal and foolishness. So now this is the other end of the spectrum. So shaitan goes, well, then just do what you got to do. So one of the saintly souls says, if you do and you sin and you expect Allah's mercy, this is a sign of a traitor. It's betrayal and it's foolishness. In other words, what are you doing? How do you expect the mercy when you're disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi said in his work, Disturber of the Hearts, page 21 of the English translation, As for he who seeks forgiveness whilst insisting on sins, indeed he is like a stubborn person ignoring all warnings. So which person bugs people? And, you, and people will all say the one who's stubborn. He knows that he's wrong. But if he's stubborn, he will still persist. So everybody hates the stubborn person. Nobody goes, mashallah. That is the person who sins and he expects forgiveness. Ibn Josie said. Because he's the stubborn person. But he's being stubborn with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I want you to forgive me. But I'm going to continue sinning. Because you're doing zid with him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reflect upon the fact that Adam made a dua to his Lord immediately upon his inadvertent slip. And Shaitan only did so when he had no choice. There's a huge difference. Adam ate from the tree, and he immediately acknowledged that. Because we have oppressed ourselves. If you do not forgive us, do not show mercy, we are surely lost and ruined. So why did he make the dua in the plural? Why didn't he say, I have oppressed myself? Because there's many wisdoms why he did that. One wisdom is he's a prophet. He's protected. So he was asking in a sublime way for his wife. <laughs> he didn't say, you know, my, forgive me. Because we have oppressed ourselves. But he did it immediately. Shaitan didn't do it. Imagine. Allah Ta'ala didn't, you know, he gave him time. Didn't do it. He only admitted what he had done when he was put on the spot. So what's the difference? One is doing zid. So when you're doing zid, you're being stubborn, you're following shaitan. When you admit immediately, you're following a prophet. Note also that shaitan only made a dua for himself. Give me, give me. But Adam did the plural. Generosity in the dua of the prophets. Note that Adam's dua was for the hereafter. Shaitan was for the world. <laughs> no, people just narrate as if they know what. Hang on a minute, brother. You're going too fast. What's the difference between the du'as? I don't understand. <coughs> Look at the wisdom, right? Adam, wasalam, his du'a was here for dunya. Because he was saying, Ya Allah, forgive us, akhirat. Shaitan was dunya. Let me live, let me live. Give me, give me. And what did he say? What was his du'a? You know, what a fruitcake. In Surah Al-Hijr, Surah 15, verse 36, Surah Sa'd, Surah 38, verse 79, he said, Shaitan, Rabbi fa'anzirni la yawmi yub'afoon. 
O my Lord, give me respite till the day the dead are raised. What a, you know, think about it. What an idiot. You've committed a crime. Ask forgiveness for the sin. Did you ask for it? Imagine somebody goes, you're, you, you're okay. Yeah, what if you don't know? I've committed a sin. So, okay, what do I, you going to make? Give me a long life. He goes, hang on a minute. You've committed a sin. What do I, you going to make? Give me a long life. So, why is Allah telling you that? Because there's something wrong with him. Right? And he mentioned that twice. Look how interesting. Allah mentions that dua twice in the Quran to say, look, don't miss this point. We missed it. Right? We have to be told. Because then we live till the day of judgment. And why was that a foolish dua apart from the fact that he didn't ask for forgiveness? Because he he's supposed to be an alim. He told the angels. But what did the Prophet say? He said in Sayyid Muslim, if an unbeliever does good deeds, Allah will repay him back for that and he will leave the world with nothing. So Shaitan, because of all the deeds he did, he didn't need to even make this dua. He could, he's going to live. Why? Because Allah's promise that he's going to reward the kuffar for their good deeds. And then they will drop. The fact that he hasn't dropped shows that he had too many good deeds. So it was a useless dua as well. Subhanallah. Note also that Adam and also the accursed dua supplicated for something great. For nothing is difficult. So there is a common denominator. Both Adam and the accursed, they did do something both. They both asked for something beyond comprehension. Somebody goes, let me live till Qiyamah. It's not a normal thing. Allah gave it. Adam goes, forgive us for sleeping in paradise. That's not a normal thing. Allah forgave them. So the lesson is, don't think anything is beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other huge lesson is, if someone calls on you regular, whilst another rarely, who would you be more quick to respond to? If somebody's asking you, human terms, you get fed up with the guy. Stop asking me, you do me nothing. But Allah Ta'ala loves it. In fact, the Hadith in Tirmidhi, what does it say? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that Allah Ta'ala gets upset if you stop asking. Completely opposite the human being. That's not a human trait. A human trait is ask me, ask me, but don't keep doing it. Because there's only a limit to my, you know, generosity and forbearance. Allah Ta'ala is completely opposite. You stop asking, he gets angry. One should strive and not despair. For our Lord's mercy is immense. For instance, Hafiz Samarkandi in his Tanbihul Ghafilin, page 212 to 3 of the English translation, it mentions, Once Abdullah ibn Umr he found a piece of bread on the floor. <coughs> he said to his servant, clean it, put it to one side. In the evening, at the time of breaking his fast, he asked the servant, he goes, get me that bread. The servant then bashfully said, I ate it. Abdullah ibn Umar goes, you ate it? The servant goes, yes. Abdullah ibn Umar then goes, you're free. I freed you. Why? Because I have heard Rasulullah say, if anyone picks up, uh, eats a piece of bread lying down, 
that before it is digested, Allah Ta'ala forgives the man. Those, how can I now as a servant, one who is forgiven? <laughs> he goes, you're better than me. He goes, free. So let's look at this. So first of all, how many things in this report that you need to stop and reflect on? First of all, he's fasting. And what does he say? So imagine you see a piece of bread, I don't know. You not forget about pieces now, you get loaves of bread. But anyway, let's say there's a, you know, a slice of bread. And he says to his servant, clean it, meaning you're supposed to blow on it, as long as it's not, you know, you can clean it. And then leave it, why? Because I can't eat it now. I, I would have ate it, but I'm fasting. The servant, did he know the hadith? So there's two ways to look at this. One is he did know. That's why he knew that he'd get free. The others, he, he didn't know. So why did he eat the bread? So what seems to be more logical is he knew because he disobeyed his master. His master didn't tell him to eat the bread. You could argue that he says, clean it and put it to the side. So he could have twisted it and said, well, it meant, you know, it's inside me now, isn't it? So you could argue that as well. Whatever the case, he ate it. When it was time to break the fast, now look how interesting. He wants to break the fast with that piece of bread. Now, why was he not wanting the date and why was he having a, a drink of water? Because that is what secures forgiveness. Mm. What better way to open your fast than to secure forgiveness? Mm. The servant goes, I, I ate it. <laughs> and then what did he say? I heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu If anybody picks up and eats a piece of bread lying down, then before it is digested, look at that, it's not even gone through the system. It's just probably on your tongue and it's in your throat. Before it is digested, he's forgiven. He goes, how can I now have a servant, one who is forgiven? He goes, you're free. So now, look at the lesson in that. Another similar example with Abdullah ibn Umar, he was fasting and he's traveling and it's a very hot day and he sees a person with a few goats. So he goes to the servant, he goes, uh, could you give me some milk? So the servant goes, no. He goes, why? He goes, it's not mine to give. <clears throat> so then, <laughs> Abdullah ibn Umar looked at him. He was testing him. He goes, no, just give me a bit of milk. Your master won't know. <laughs> and then the servant goes, what about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? <laughs> and then Abdullah ibn Umar kept repeating those words. He goes, what about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And then he left. He makes investigations, finds out who owns the goats. He said, I'd like to buy the goats. So the person goes, fine. He goes, I'd like to buy the servant as well. So he goes, okay, fine. So he buys the servant and goats. Then he goes to see the servant again with the goats. And then he says, he goes, you're free. And he, the goats are yours. <laughs> it's the worst. Then he said, he goes, I didn't want to be outbeaten by a shepherd. <laughs> so now again, you look at the report, you think, what is going off here? So where is it recorded in Fazali Sadaqah? So what was Abdullah ibn Umar doing? He was looking at people with the focus on the Akhirat. He said his own servant free. Why? Because he goes, he's better than me. And he goes, this person... And in fact, this, if I remembered, I just remembered, the servant didn't just say that, what about the master? He actually said, uh, I'm also fasting. So then he asked the man, he goes, why are you fasting? And he calls a verse. He goes, for the days, 
for the ease of the days of Allah. Meaning, Allah Ta'ala is saying, those who don't eat and drink, Allah Ta'ala is going to give them an immense reward. And Ibn Umar knew he was referring to that verse. And then he freed him when he gave him the goat. Right? So note, they were focused upon the Akhirat. Now these are just daily things that occurred. But even in those mundane interactions, what was their focus? We only really start thinking about Akhirat when we're in the masjid and we're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When do these incidents occur? In your daily transactions, I'm going to many what's happening here. That's how the people were focusing on the Akhirat. And similarly, in Tanbihul Ghafilin, page 69 to 70 of the English translation, Ahmad ibn Suhail, he said, Rahmatullah I saw Yahya ibn Aktam, Rahmatullah in a dream. I asked, how has Allah the Almighty treated you? So a saintly soul sees another, you know, man called Yahya. He goes, how, how were you treated? Yahya ibn Aktam, he said, Allah the Almighty summoned me. And he said, O evil old man, you have perpetrated many sins. Meaning you got old and you still persisted. I responded, Oh my Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, I shall not comment on these at the moment. <laughs> what sort of a strange response is that? So Allah Ta'ala is saying, you evil old man, even in your old age you were committing sins. And he, like, like that lawyer does, because uh, no comment. <laughs> no, you can't say no comment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because I, I don't, I'm not commenting on it. So Allah the Almighty then says, what have you got to say in your defense? So Yahya, he said, I responded, Abdul Razak, told me that Imam Zuhri, told him that Urwa ibn Zubair, told him that Sayyida Aisha told him that Rasulullah told her that Jibreel told him that you said subhanahu wa ta'ala when I wish to punish an old Muslim I am shy due to his old age. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He looked and He says, They have all spoken the truth and it will be. I was therefore admitted to paradise. <laughs> so what happened? Yahya ibn Aqtam, was he a scholar? He must have been. He given a he's given a chain to Allah. Does Allah need a chain? And he goes, I'm not going to comment. So why did he say that? Because he was trying to work something out to help him. I'm not commenting now. So Allah gave him a few moments. He goes, okay, what have you got in your defense? And he not only quoted the hadith, he goes through the chain. And the scholars say it's a flawless chain. <laughs> so if you look at all the people, they're famous. Abdul Razak, the teacher of Imam Bukhari, Imam Zuhri, Abu Bakr ibn Shahab Zuhri, senior tabi, Urwa ibn Zubay, Zubay's son, Aisha, Rasulullah, Jibreel, is this Sayyidi, the only weakness was him. But Allah Ta'ala says, yes, that's true. He goes, go to paradise. So why have I mentioned this report? Allah Ta'ala wants excuses. Right? In fact, one hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, nobody loves excuses more than Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. 
Now, what's interesting, human beings, they're like that as well. Some people, you know, they like to hear an excuse. That's a noble quality. They even know that you're coming out with bakwa sometimes. No, what it was, it was a moment of weakness and, you know, it happened. And you see other people thinking, you're going to accept that. And then the noble one accepts it. He's all right, I forgive you. <coughs> That's nobility. With Allah the Almighty, He loves to do that. <laughs> Meaning, Allah is telling you, get your excuses ready before you meet me. <laughs> get them ready. <laughs> this is why Umar who once came to Rasulullah and the Prophet was weeping. The Prophet Umar was, Ya Rasulullah, why are you weeping? The Prophet said, Allah has declared that he feels ashamed to punish an old man. Then why is the old man not ashamed to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's what's making me weep. Because shocking that is. Allah feels ashamed to get the person's old. But he's not ashamed to stop sinning. He should be thinking, Astaghfirullah, but sort this out now. I wasted my youth on sin. Now it's middle age. Middle age is gone as well. I wasted that on sin. I'm not gonna not even scrap your age. Get that to give that to Allah. Give the you know the scrap vehicle back to him. I smashed the over Allah at the end. I was looking at I did a few MOTs on it. Not even gonna do that. That's what the Prophet wept. He goes, What's happened to this you know, the child of Adam? So note Allah still accepts it. That's his kindness, his mercy. In fact, in one report, there's a hadith, and this is shocking. If it wasn't a hadith, you know, you'd probably question it. In Kanzul Umal, Allah last asks a man, did you commit this sin? And the man goes, no, I didn't. And the hadith <coughs> says, he's lying. He's lying. Allah Ta'ala goes, all right then, go to paradise. So the angels <laughs> completely lost. He goes, Ya Allah, he's lying. So Allah Ta'ala says, I know that. But don't you see he's got grey hair? And he's from the Ummah of my beloved. <laughs> so what shocked me was this person, I don't know, astaghfirullah, which you know, would you lie to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? There's something that you think in this, you know, come with I'm not gonna cross that line. He imagine, did you commit that sin? And he goes, No. So the angels are thinking that sin, nah, get him, throw him into the lowest fire, monafic, even trash on with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah goes, all right then. Imagine. And the angels then getting really confused, creation, don't know what's going on, because he got grey and he's from the Ummah of beloved. That's why the Prophet wept. And what's interesting, grey hair doesn't come if he was up to you. You know, think about it. You ask a person now, would you like grey hair? Oh, brother, I love to have jet bag. And then you go in it. Like, you've lost the angel. He goes, oh, no, brother, you know, if you was up to me, I die every three, four months. It saves me some time on you as well. He goes, no, you idiot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that don't you find it interesting that you don't want it. Allah Ta'ala wants to forgive you. And you don't want it. He goes, hey, that's interesting. SubhanAllah, isn't it? Look how Allah Ta'ala is doing that. And you get people who are old. And what do people always say about the old people? You know, what's interesting, you know, when they see him struggling to eat and to walk and to drink and to even go to call, call of nature, what do the people say? What comes out of their mouth? Bless him. You think, subhanAllah, what's fitrah? What did you say? He goes, bless him, you know, he's, he's struggling. Why do you say bless him? And sometimes an atheist says, why did you say that? You don't believe in anything. He goes, no, but look at him, he's, you know, man, bless him. Who's blessing him? Darwin, right? You know, what you know about... 
Why? Because you realize this person deserves the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today, again, was the unending subject of the greatness of our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and reports to seriously reflect on. Are there any questions? Let us